0: biggest games, oh my God, the, the biggest events, wow, the, crowd on that the biggest stories. This is what
1: you signed up for, Seth. I, I thought it was the last gentleman in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Gu, and I'm joined by Jacob today on the desk. Jacob, how are you?
0: I'm doing okay. Uh, recovering from illness. Thank you, Combo Breaker and Fighting Game Events. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm well.
1: I feel like every um, journalist who attends one of these events just... Afterwards they just tell me how it's basically like a cesspool for disease and like sickness
0: afterwards. Yeah, do you remember me when we were um when we went to LA and uh I had been on those four trips in a row and then we got to LA and I literally couldn't talk when we were at Oh Worlds? yeah, you
1: were sick during the event which is like
0: Well yeah, cuz I mean I had been to three events before mm-hmm. it. So by the time we got to that point I was just like yeah, I was like really bad. So yeah.
1: Um, well, let's get back into the podcast. We're going to talk about Team Liquid today. Uh, where to begin, really? What I mean, I feel like this, the title of this podcast should, should just straight up be, what do we do about Team Liquid now? Um, <laughs> so basically for context, for people who don't know, Inven recently released an interview with Piglet. Um, it was a brutally honest interview I guess honest as is most one word. as
0: most are with piglet let's let's remember he's done one with our own tyler Erzberger that was pretty straightforward yeah, about true. how phoenix one was garbage and then phoenix <laughs> one ended up being great but whatever
1: i'm starting to see like a future profession for pr and esports now that these interviews are like on the front page of reddit now
0: to be fair that team does have a, a new pr firm so i would uh i would expect this to not be a problem but
1: Well, we can enjoy the drama while it lasts. It makes
0: our jobs better, for sure.
1: Um, So the interview, basically, we saw the same old cocky piglet that we saw two years ago when he was on SKT. I mean, he just like you know that kid works works hard from how he talks, and um, basically, Tim Liquid right now is kind of in a dumpster fire. Like that's about as light as I can put it. They're number fifty in our power rankings. where we got a lot of flame for that and Flack. But I feel like... I think
0: Immortals got a lot of flame. But that's, you know, yeah. different story.
1: <laughs> um, their upper management basically doesn't know what to do with their lineup. They're constantly switching in and out players. They're not looking to really build talent. They're just trying to expect talent out of the players they switch in, which is, I feel like, is generally the wrong way to go about things.
0: So there is an intellectual genius who once said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that's how I feel about this Team Liquid team. Um, I
1: seriously was thinking about Scar for a second, but he was the one who said, we're not losing until they no, win. That,
0: that was an Einstein quote. No, and I know, it, I know. It very, much, <laughs> uh, very much is the case with Team Liquid. They went back to the same lineup in spring that they got you know dumpstered on for weeks um and it's honestly one of the saddest stories uh i think right now in esports because there are certain players on this team um that sacrificed a lot of other opportunities on potentially better teams um and some of that was financial so it's the balance of like how sorry can you feel for them when they're making the most money in this in the region but uh i think it's not all about that i think it, it very much is um this team is not cohesive uh, in the slightest. I think that their English-speaking players are definitely their weakest, or English-native-speaking players are definitely their weakest players. Um, and I also think that their Korean players are very different in personality. I think Piglet is very cocky and and. Um, has sort of that mentality that some of the other players uh, that come to mind, like Dardoch, I think him and Dardock are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think he's sort of like what I've heard about flame previously and the fact that um, instead of trying to resolve a problem when a player is playing badly, especially a teammate, mm-hmm. uh, it is more about uh, approaching them and being very forced and sort of rude in your approach. And I don't think that works very well, particularly with the players that are on this team and the personalities that are on this team um we've seen it not just through breaking point but just in general people like matt kind of shrivel up mm-hmm. um when they get yelled at so partnering him with someone who is a little i wouldn't say toxic but very like very critical and and approaches his criticism in the in an improper form mm-hmm. um and doesn't understand that he's approaching his criticism in an improper form that doesn't quite work well with a player who's not high confidence in himself
1: right well he did give a lot of credit to their bot lane. He thinks that their bot lane is the strongest part of their team, which I'm not surprised that he said. Um, but as for everyone else, he pretty much just took a giant dump on them. Yeah, I mean... And NALCS as well.
0: Frankly, um, back to what I was saying about the the two Korean players being different, uh, I think Piglet and Rainover are polar opposites. Uh, Rainover is fairly reserved as a player, um, and he uh, isn't about... Like, even even when he was on top of the world with Fnatic and it was him and Hooney, you know, the duo that was leading Fnatic to a semi-final world finish, uh, you never saw Rainover being very outgoing about how great he was. So I think that, uh, in this sense, I think that him and Piglet are very different, and I think that that's probably why there isn't team cohesion. And there's, there's honestly this mentality, and it, I've talked to a lot of general managers and coaches about this, and I think it's going away now. um and I, it's really wait. what's going away that I'm going to explain. Um, there's this mentality that like if you have one Korean player, it's good to get another Korean speaking player to make said, said Korean player more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you would classify that as like almost racist or prejudiced, but it, it's been a mentality, particularly in North America, that you want to pair two players together so they can like culturally adapt to being in the U.S., I think that is becoming less of an issue because I think if you were to put a different AD carry on this team or a different player, um, I think Piglet is one of the most skilled options. But if you we were to put a different player that was better at uh, his team approach and his team mentality, I think Rainover would be fine by himself. Um, and honestly, that's what I would do if I were this team.
1: Okay, well, a question that we posed earlier this week, actually yesterday before our meeting, um, we talked about would you rather build a team around Rainover or Piglet in the end?
0: Uh, I would totally want to build a, a team over Rainover or like around Rainover and um I think that should have happened anyway. Uh, I think that should have happened last split or at the end of last split in the offseason when they the Rainover was the first player they signed um on this team when they were trying to rebuild from the previous lineup um they should have very much built around Rainover. As soon as they decided to get rid of Dardock, they should have built around Rainover and gotten Another bot lane. I know they tried. They did talk to some people. Um, But, you know, mid-season, this was probably their best option. Uh, Mm -hmm. The only thing I think they could have done better is gotten... I know that they were talking to mid-laners, and I think that some of the import mid-laners that they had spoken to, they would have had to dump Piglet, and I do not think there was a better eighty carry option because it's mid-split and there aren't a lot of people that are free. So what do you think is
1: really holding them back from letting Piglet go? I mean, uh, he isn't god-tier Piglet. He's he's not SKT Piglet anymore. He's NA like Piglet. I think
0: some of it's loyalty. Um, he was one of the first players, um, one of the first players they brought in uh, from Korea. If you think about that organization, it's Keen, Phoenix, and Piglet were kind of like the original three players that they imported. Um, they went very hard out of their way uh, to get Piglet. He was. Um, he was a hard acquisition because I remember during the period when they first got him, they uh had basically teased all over Facebook that they were getting forgiven. And um Right,
1: do you remember that? Yeah,
0: there was a there was a lot of tease around them getting forgiven and and the next thing you know there are pictures of uh both Steve's, uh Joker Steve and Steve Aronset, um flying to Korea. And <laughs> Uh, being in bars with Piglet on Snapchat and a a bunch of things. It was a very hard sell. They had to go out there and talk to him, and that was the only reason they were in Korea at the time is they wanted to talk to Piglet. Yeah, for those of you
1: who don't know, actually, Piglet wanted to take a break after leaving SKT at the time.
0: Correct, yeah, because essentially, like, SKT, that was right after the team mergers, um, so he probably wasn't going to get the start anyway. I think Bang would have eventually become the better player out of the two, um, as he is now. Um, yeah, it, he did want to take a break and they really had to make this hard sell and they got him. So I think that there is a little bit of the, um, and I think that will also work the same way with Rainover because they had to get into a bidding war to get Rainover. So I think at this point, um, there is a sense of loyalty in that organization for Piglet. Um, right. He, he is at times at the end of 2015, he was looking at leaving Team Liquid and mm-hmm. he wanted to start his own project in Korea. Um, for Korean challenger and that didn't work out. So he stayed. And so I think there's mutual loyalty between both parties. Um, and I think that's part of it. I, and I also think that there aren't a lot of great, better 80 carry options because uh, the ones in North America don't want to be on team liquid.
1: Mm. Well, I also think that this points to a bigger issue with upper management. I mean, this constant filtering out of players, it's not healthy for the team dynamic. They're not going to improve in the long haul if they keep this up.
0: I'll be frank. Um, there is a big issue uh, with their confidence in young players. I very much think that they should have taken a Cody Sun uh, over Piglet sort of scenario, even though there is a very big skill difference there, if you could have gotten a Korean mid laner uh, mm. in this past offseason, which was an option for them. Um, or if you would have gotten a Korean top laner with uh, Rainover, as we all know, which was Smeb, which is someone that they had a conversation with. Um, oh,
1: could you imagine that
0: lineup? I don't think it would have actually happened, especially because of the KT super, super team, team kind of yeah. took it away. Absolutely. But, but if, um, if there would have been, I would have much rather have had a solo winner, a Korean solo winner that was actually more than serviceable and a, and a talented and well, uh, well minded player, like when has a good reputation rather than I would have had Piglet. I would have chanced it in the bot lane. If I was if I was management of this team, I would have put a bot lane that is young and could have worn because um Rainover in particular has shown that he can uh flourish in those types of situations. Veteran support in Yellow Star and you know, brand new rookies in mid lane and AD carry and he led the team to the worlds. And I understand they did get reckless, but they were still phenomenal when they had Steelback. So, I think Rainover um I think Raynover would have more control if they would yeah. have built around him. And uh, also just having a jungler,
1: a carry jungler, um, you just have way more impact on the game. I mean, ADCs are in a place right now where it's like you just kind of have to be babysat most of the game.
0: Rainover is one of the most improved players in the West. Um, he was not expected to be very good when he came over here. And he's, along the way, I have not ever heard a teammate that says they don't like working with Raynover.
1: How far we've come from the first game he played where he died to his jungle creeps.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, if you remember when he first joined Fnatic, his uh, nickname for his time on IM was Game Over. Yeah, so um, I've never heard a single teammate uh, complain about Rainover's performance, and I think that overall they, sh- they should have just built around him. I think that they should have chanced it in the bot lane and gotten a uh, solid Korean solo laner to pair with Rainover, and then worked from there.
1: Well, honestly, it's not too late yet for them to build around him.
0: Yeah, but- it's just I... <sighs> I honestly don't know if they'll cut Piglet entirely until um until they reach a point where he wants to retire or leave. Um I think he'll I think there's tenure uh in particular in teams like TSM and Cloud9 and Team Liquid. They are very and this is one of the bright sides of those types of organizations is that they will keep players uh and they will make them streamers. They'll keep them involved mm-hmm. in the organization. And I'm sure that's something that Piglet has thought about, is like, is this where he's going to spend his career? I just feel like he loves
1: competition. He is not the kind of person who wants to settle down and be a full-time streamer. I mean, we rarely see him stream nowadays.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think it's one of those things, like, where where's his burnout peak? Yeah, for sure. Right? And so I think that's what we're waiting on.
1: All right, more ESPN esports in a moment. But first, we'd like to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we'd like to know how we're doing. So... Leave us a rating and review. And if you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. If you're subscribed in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And you can always tweet us your thoughts at ESPN underscore esports. A question I wanted to ask is... This this is actually something I was thinking about because we were talking about Piglet leaving SKT and joining Team Liquid and how that honestly feels so far away, even though it was only two years ago. Um, A question I wanted to ask was... Do you think SKT would be as successful today if they decided to actually keep Piglet in their lineup and he were working with four other Korean players in the LCK um, as opposed to adding Bang to the lineup?
0: I feel like if they they would have eventually moved him out of the team, um, I feel like that would have been the case. Well, particularly.
1: Let's give some context first because at the time people were people were actually crapping on the fact that they didn't get rid of Bengi, who who was the weak link at the time. At the time, I say in boldface letters because obviously we saw a resurgence later on, but Piglet was actually one of the stronger members of the team. It was just he wanted to take a break. Take a break, I say in your quotes.
0: Yeah, I mean, from from my understanding, they were going to get rid of Pumandu anyway, so it didn't make a lot of sense to keep Piglet as well, and he probably felt the same way. Um I think they would have eventually moved him out of the team for the same reason that liquid's having problems with them now, and the fact that essentially the issue is you think
1: they would have had the same issues that liquid is having now
0: Some more issues uh i they they there's no way they were going to keep impact. Forever. I just
1: feel like from a cultural standpoint there is no way that pickley would ever talk back to coma like with the whole respect I don't, I don't I don't I don't think it's him
0: uh, I don't think it's him talking back to a coach I think it's mm-hmm. him. Uh, belittling other players. And I think that there was no way they were going to eventually keep Impact. Impact was going to come to North America. Um he was getting and it's funny to say this, but if you remember that at the time it felt like Impact was getting at the tail end of his career. And now he's probably one of the better top laners in, in the NALCS. NA. Mm-hmm. And you see it now he's kind of taking some time to himself and taking a break. Um and letting Ray throw on the you know throw on the boots. But I think that they would have eventually gotten rid of Impact. They would have eventually... They would have had to get a new support um, with Pumendu being out. Uh, and they would have eventually probably did as they have done and gone away from Bengi. And in that scenario, uh, I believe that they would have, like the SKT organization currently does, taken risk on players that are young and that have some uh, behavior issues. Who needs a good example? Um, that they believe that they can fix, and that uh, part of it is not just cultural, but it's also just their confidence and their coaching and their, their team environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like those types of players, uh, like your um, blanks and your toms. Your and, blanks. Yeah, blank, blanks and toms, and like all those, you know, all the players they've cycled through that team would not have worked well with Piglet.
1: Okay, well, then let me ask you this because as I was. Um, writing notes for this podcast, I found the Reddit thread that basically posted that Piglet was leaving and the second most popular comment was Mad Life is still stuck in space prison. Oh, I miss twenty fifteen so much. Um but no, he's stuck
0: in GCU prison.
1: Right? <laughs> um but do you think that if Piglet were on a Korean team, not SKT, CJ Antis at the time, do you think he would still be as dominant as he was back then?
0: No um
1: <laughs> you didn't even give any thought to it
0: no i, I did i don't i think pickle was a, a very good player particularly in his run in 2013 um but i also think he very much was taken care of in his situation i think that bangy bangy was also good in 2013 and i think that bangy w- very much helped them a lot and i think that faker was very independent and you don't it's rare that you have a mid laner that can sustain themselves and faker faker is what makes skt special in the sense that um in the sense that you don't have to depend like you don't have to camp him essentially you don't have to worry about him he'll worry about himself and um having a player like that makes everything easier uh particularly on a jungler
1: so you think if piglet stayed on a korean team he'd he'd still end up basically where he is today
0: yeah i think i think eventually he he'd I don't want to say fizzle out because I don't think it's a mentality thing. I just think that him working with new players and every team in Korea, there's not a single team that hasn't cycled uh, rosters at this point, at least a little bit. Like, Faker's the longest-tenured player in the region, which and he's one of the youngest, too. So Right. Um, I, I still think that there would have been a point where he would either be on a very low LCK team or would be in a top Korean challenger team.
1: Right. I feel like for Piglet to succeed... In any way, he has to be in a really kind of niche environment and there are just better players that can replace him.
0: It does not exist in North America or Europe, Um, in my opinion. It does exist in Korea and I think China would give him way too much uh, room, like way too much space.
1: Like they do with Uzi. Yeah. I
0: think Mm -hmm. they would give him a little bit too much space. I I think Korea is, and I think he recognizes that too, the fact that he uh, looked at going back to Korea in 2015 and at least considered the option, which I've kind of heard that, you know, he would think about it again. The fact that he knows that, I think he knows that Korea is where he'd have to be to succeed at all. Um, But building that environment takes a really special set of people, and I think that that is why uh, the first time SKT ever won Worlds, they were a very different team than the ones to follow. I think 2015 and 2016 SKT were sort of similar, but 2013 SKT was a whole different animal within itself, and it had a very different environment and it had you know if you really think about it that was fakers coming out party was worlds and the fact that he just destroyed everyone and that was new to everyone as well and that that team was special it was so much different than than korean teams today i think they were something something completely different than what you have now
1: so at the end of it i mean at the end of it it's still team liquid so what can they do to fix things this summer And they're short a lot of time before Worlds.
0: Well, I don't think they'll make Worlds, so they'll have the—I mean, I'd be surprised if they do. I don't think they'll make Worlds, so I think that they'll have um, from August or September all the way up until January to get their stuff together. Uh, I'm pretty certain they'll be one of the franchise teams. I would be incredibly surprised if they were not. Uh, they have probably the one of the most solid investment groups. I mean, behind with the them. way
1: they're going right now, it's uh,
0: it doesn't honestly performance wise only matters so much. Uh, for LCS franchises, the fact that um they have a solid investment group that's willing to front that kind of money to front the ten million and also to um. Their management has been so involved with Riot for so many years. I, I would be very surprised if they were not one of the teams to make it through that franchise application process. So with that in mind, they'll have uh, September, August or September, when, or probably September, when everyone's eliminated that isn't a Worlds team um, and everyone starts you know allowing their players to talk to other people. The free agency period is the end of November, is the contract expiration period currently. So, after the end of November. So, they'll have four to two to four months. Uh, so, do you think on. they're
1: going to get rid of their roster and just start from scratch again?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I think that they're willing to sacrifice uh, for Raynever as they currently are. They're not like some other teams which have signed players to these massive contracts and then had to fire the player because they don't want to afford it anymore. Um, which has happened in the last six months. Um So I think uh, I think that there is a point where they may build around Rainover. I think that that's a feasible feasible idea, but I think they really just need to have a heart to heart of like, get rid of Piglet, work work on this team. Um, and they had that they had that moment last year. Uh, I I think it's like a slow process. They thought about doing that, um, thought about doing that previously. So I think potentially at this point that they could do it uh, do it again and actually maybe be successful this year because now you know what ownership groups are going to be in. I do expect there will be a few that don't have teams at all so there's going to be a few teams that will have to release other players. So um, maybe a bigger talent pool to choose from as well.
1: Well I certainly hope so. That's all we have for the podcast today actually. For more esports news and features you can check out ESPN.com slash esports or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel young at Jacob N. Wolf, and at our lovely podcast producer at chino sports underscore see you guys next week thanks for listening to the espn esports podcast